Tennis is a sport much beloved around the world and has millions of people betting on it. Our podcast gives an in-depth look into the markets across the game's biggest events with adept insight from our expert guests. Welcome to Advantage Betters. Hello and welcome back to Advantage Betters with Pinnacle as we look ahead to Wimbledon 2022. I'm joined again by data tennis expert, Dan Weston. How are you doing? Yeah. Hi, Charlie. Yeah, I'm good. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, very well. Thanks. Just looking forward to this tournament after um, I watched a lot of the uh, warm-up events. So looking forward to seeing what goes on here. If we, if we dive basically straight into probably the, one of the main talking points around coming into Wimbledon is the impact of uh, the LTA stripping the ranking points from the tournament. A lot of people calling it just an exhibition. Um, what I sort of wanted to know is, is, is two part. What do you think the impact on the players and, and sort of the performances and, and their headspace is going to be? And then following on from that, just in, in terms of the betting and, 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 and for betters, especially just looking at the markets and where, 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 where the value sort of lies there. Um, firstly, I don't think it will have any impact whatsoever. The lack of ranking points, I don't think it will change anything. Um, for several reasons. Firstly, the Wimbledon is such a historic venue. Players might, you know, they, they might have 10, 15 max Wimbledons that they, they can compete in. And probably only, a lot of the time, only, look for a vast rate of players, sort of two, three, four times they might get to the quarterfinals and have a have a shot at winning it. So these opportunities are precious to players. And I think that it won't have any, any impact on the top players whatsoever. We also have to, to remember that the prize money is still available as well and uh, that's usually a pretty significant motivator in a grand slam <laughs> as well so uh, yeah I, I'm, I, it's not something that I've really factored in that much I must admit Is there um, and then yeah in, in, in the betting side of things do you think this will see much of a trend in the betting perspective of how, how uh, who they who they who they look to uh, as maybe like an underdog bet or somewhere like that that might come through the pack, or is it? Do you reckon it will just follow the same sort of, you know, back back in the, back in the favourites as they are now? Um, so I think at the moment where the way that the tour dynamics are, I think that the the difference in terms of the dynamics of Wimbledon in terms of you know the no no Russian or no Belarusian players coming into the tournament that that does change the dynamic a little bit and might give a few players more of an opportunity to to make the latter stages but i think that's probably the only dynamic that i really see hugely changing so for example in the men's Djokovic is odds on but uh, would he be odds on if Medvedev was in the field no i don't think he would be so so that's made, that's had an impact there but apart from that like, like i say i don't i don't see that the prize money really change prize money still being available change, uh, won't change anything the ranking points not being available i think it's a shame but it's also something that won't really change anything i don't think at all i don't think i don't see it as an exhibition time at all it, you know, as you said it's the it's the prestige of, of playing at mm. wimbledon is 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 overrides that completely i'm guessing Absolutely. yeah and just we, we obviously just spoke about it um off the record but uh can we take any is there much you can take away from the grass talk warm-up tournaments uh, in the last few weeks and, and maybe the results of them that, that going into uh, Wimbledon next week? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, first of all, I want to see players who are in good physical shape in terms of have got, got matches under their belt, good performances 
uh, to their name and, and winning winning tournaments is obviously a huge positive as well. Um, it shows that they're 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 comfortable and immediately on grass and playing well. Um, so you look at the women's side of things, someone like Kvitova, who probably wasn't wasn't really considered a top five ish challenger prior to last week, now coming through and winning winning the warm tournament this week has probably changed that. Had Admire, who who really didn't have a great deal of a track record on grass until about a month ago, coming through these warm up events and now being one of the market leaders in, in the women's tournament is quite something as well. And there's a few examples of that as well. Angebur is another one who's who won Berlin and uh, then um, has got shorter in the market as well. So the mark the market is is anticipating that the performances in the warm up events do have merit for sure. And I agree with that. It's definitely something. On the flip side, a player like Swiatek, who hasn't played a single one, for me, that's a big question mark, particularly as she goes into the event with, without uh, a huge track record on grass. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that when we when we go on to the WTA side. Um, just one other question I had on, on surfaces. From your perspective and, and, and you seeing it down the years, what, how difficult is it to go from winning on clay to, to winning on grass and, and going it's into this major? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, so you've got clay, which is the slowest surface on tour, and uh, grass, which is the, the fastest surface on tour. So you go from one extreme to the other. Not to mention the fact that, for I mean, obviously we're, we're based in UK, but for our overseas listeners might not be, be that aware that the last sort of three months in England have been as dry and warm as it probably has been for years. Mm, so I'd imagine that that will also make the courts play that little bit quicker as well and uh that, that that makes it even more of a difference between clay and grass compared to the sort of standard dynamic I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a bit here but it's just something i just thought about just now is do you do you recall any like french open many french open winners that go on to win wimbledon then in the next round slam just off the top of your head i have to double check that but it's i think generally speaking you're looking at players who are all quarters in that situation. So someone like mm. Serena Williams, who's obviously back in the day was a very dominant player on the WTA tour, was dominant on every surface. And so she mm. would probably be one example of that. Um, Kvitova, who's won a couple of Wimbledon titles, was never quite as strong on, on clay. And, 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 and this is, again, a, an issue that I think that people who are backing Swiatek are not, much bigger than than the odds on sort of not sorry I'll rephrase that not much bigger than even money will will find because she she hasn't got that track record on grass yes she comes into this event thirty five unbeaten and yes she's great on clay and she's pretty good on hard court too but have we have we seen her in extremely quick conditions no we haven't has she got experience of the the latter rounds of Wimbledon no she hasn't has she played warm events no she hasn't so that that's a that's a big question mark. And uh, if we if we if we go over and, and really look at the uh, the men's side of, of the of the mm. draw and in, in, in the tournament, you touched on it a minute ago. Obviously, Daniel Medvedev, Andre Rublev, and, and Sasha Verev through injury won't be competing. Is there any? Like I said, it, do do you reckon there's any players that that sort of might benefit? Like someone that might come through to the midfield pack that at the moment that might, um, yeah, as I say. It, it, exploit the fact that they're, they're not going to be playing? Uh, definitely. So because of the fact that Sverev and Medvedev aren't playing, it, it means that uh, we have 
players like Casper Rude being the main seed in, in quarter two. Mm. Now, he's another clay quarter, or primarily a clay quarter, who who hasn't got a track record on, on grass. He's only won two career matches on the main tour in his career. So so there's tough to tough to see him him do well. So he wouldn't the draws change because of the absence of those guys. So then that leaves open the door for Hubert Hercats to come through quarter two, who I think is is a decent, decent prospect actually um, to do so. Um, he's got a pretty easy few opening few rounds. Um, he won in Halla, beat Medvedev, Kyrgios and Ojeda seem all in the same tournament in Halla on grass and reached the semi-final here last year, beat Medvedev and demolished Federer. So for me, that's he looks someone who could definitely benefit from those absences from sort of two or three big names not being able to play. Just just for our listeners, uh, her cash is at 12.4 right now. So there might be a little bit of value there for him to maybe lift the title. Um, if we go to the outright favourite, which is Novak Djokovic at 1.84, won the last three singles titles at Wimbledon, I believe. Do you think he 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 should be the outright favourite? Do you reckon um, we, uh, Pinnacle got it right there? Yeah, outright favourite, yes. Um, should he be that short? I'm not so sure. Um, uh but then, I mean, I was stronger on that view before the draw, but he's basically got as good a draw as he could have ever asked for. So um, not only has he got a pretty gift quarter, he's also got uh, no, like, oh, yeah, and he's avoided Berrettini uh, and a couple of other guys in, in quarter two as well, which, so he won't play any of those guys till the final, you see. So, yeah, I mean, the draw is definitely, for me, that's just short in his price. It hasn't massively. But but if, if you were keen on Djokovic before the draw, you should definitely be keen on Djokovic after the draw. I'm not so sure he should be odds on, although obviously he's a decent, should be a decent favourite for the title. Uh, and, and and you just mentioned him there, Matteo Berrettini. Um, yeah. What, uh, obviously finalist at Wimbledon last last year. He's I think he's our second favourite at 5.96. Do you think this is this this could be his year to get over the line? Uh, he obviously looking impressive. One, do win two two of the grass court yeah. um, titles so far this season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's got great serve, which is going to be very useful on grass, and and particularly useful if the conditions are as quick as I think they could be. Um, the problem for me, if you're back in Berrettini at that price, is that. Unless he plays someone who isn't Novak Djokovic in the final, he's going to be a he- uh, fairly heavy underdog in the final. So, so I, I suppose it's a way of opposing Djokovic if you take Berrettini at, at, at those sort of prices. But, but that's a that's it, it is tough because if it does go to if it does go Berrettini's way in the bottom half of the draw and the top half of the draw goes to seedings, then uh, he's still going to be a dog in the final. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, he can't. You kind of ask for him to have a better prep for this tournament, particularly after having injuries before the grass season. Um, the only caveat I would say to that is that he didn't beat anyone in the top thirty in those two tournaments. So, yeah, he's beaten who he's beaten everyone who was put in front of him. But, but it wasn't like it was a an exhibition of beating the best players in the world because that didn't happen. So, so, so yeah, so if you're comparing Hercash's victory in Halle and what Berrettini's exactly. done, it's it's they're two sort of opposite 
you have to take take it them in their own sort of entities. I think so. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And um, two people uh, you mentioned in your piece that you wrote on Pinnacle dot com was was Marin Chilich and, and and Nick Kyrgios as like yep. maybe potential outsiders. Chilich is at thirty threes. Kyrgios is currently at sixteens with us. What's in, what's impressed you about them in the last month or so? Well, Chilich has obviously come from a excellent run at French Open where he made the semi-finals, which I think was a, a shock to a lot of people. Uh, but he's got he's traditionally a better grass quarter than he is a clay quarter. So if he's in a rich vein of form, then he can definitely challenge in that bottom quarter where Rafa Nadal will be expected by many to get through. But I'm not not super convinced about that. Um, Nadal obviously he's got some well publicized injury problems at the moment. And, you know, he hasn't won Wimbledon for over a decade. He was never that great on grass to start with, even at his peak. So should Nadal be one of the market leaders? I'm not so sure. And I think that if if you are looking for someone to get through that bottom quarter, Kirch uh, is a good, a good choice as any. Um, uh, as for Kyrgios, the thing I like about him, I mean, everyone knows about Nick Kyrgios. You know, he's he's inconsistent throws tantrums, but ultimately, particularly on Graz, he has extremely high ceiling. Now, the problem the problem when anyone's anyone's looking to back Kyrgios in an event is is whether he can string that high ceiling out for seven matches or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and generally, that's been pretty tricky. Um, I just look at him in that Q3, and I think, yeah, I look at that as almost like the quarter, the quarter of death. He's mm-hmm. got Eratini, Kyrgios, the Menor, Bautista Gu, Sitsipas, all, all of those guys will fancy their chances of making the latter stages, at least the quarterfinals. Um, Kyrgios, I think, has as high a ceiling as, as Berrettini, who, who is the favourite for to win the bracket. But Berrettini is just that ultimately a much more consistent. Yeah, yeah. And... Um... Someone you mentioned there was, was, was Sitsipas. I was just having a look. He's at currently at, at 29, he's nearly at 30s with us. Why mm. do you think is 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 this is is grass just not his surface, or or do you would you be able to put your finger on why he might be um quite wider and outside of our traders? Yeah, so it's, it's it's such an interesting one actually, because he he's quite a server-oriented player. So I would kind of have assumed that he would have had the tools to to do pretty well on on grass, but if if I've just brought up his numbers now over the last last uh, three years, he's he's actually got before this win in Mallorca this week, he's he's had a very very mediocre, I think more more losses than wins on grass during that time period, and his what what I find from here is that he just doesn't break opponents enough, so. Uh, when you're winning like low 30s in terms of return points one and you're a top 10 player, that's a big problem in a grand slam, a grass grand slam. So you're mm-hmm. you're exposing yourself to to huge amounts of variance, um, fine margins. You've got to win a lot of key points, tie breaks, etc. If you're playing such a server orientated style, it's probably why players like Isner and Apelka and, and back in the day, Karlovic, Kevin Anderson, they could get for a few mm-hmm. rounds but they would struggle really to consistently get to sort of the business end of these tournaments because there's only so many fine margins you can win before variance catches up with you. Uh, and, and I think that that, that will, will, will happen to Sitsipas here. 
Do I think he's a live contender for the 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 semi-finals? Yes. Do I think he should be favourite in his bracket? No. Do mm. I think the market price is about right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> there we go. They summed it up nice. Um, someone that we haven't spoke about yet, and he's going to be returning to Wimbledon is is Andy Murray. He's mm. out at thirties as well, so just a little bit um, tall, uh, taller odds and sits a pass. What I wanted to ask was, what do you think like success for for Murray is in this tournament? What would Obviously, he made the final in Stuttgart, losing to Berrettini a few weeks ago. Yeah, what, what do you reckon he should realistically be thinking uh, he should be doing in the next two weeks? Um, so, success for Mario, I think, personally, would be to put up a decent display against Djokovic in the quarterfinal. Because mm. that's where that's, that, they would meet in the quarterfinal if that was, um, if, if it all went to plan, uh, for Murray at least. Uh, the abdominal injury that he made a withdrawal from Queens. I'm I'm not entirely sure about the severity of that. But the other, the other poor thing, you know, poor aspect of your Murray Bacco is his draw. Now, I wouldn't have thought James Duckworth would have provided much resistance in round one, but then potentially he's got Isner in round two, mm-hmm. Sinner or Vavrinka in, in round three. And if he goes to seeding Alcaraz in round four, but Alcaraz is not done a lot on grass ever in his career so I think that's a stretch but you, you know isn't around two cinema or rank around three is 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 going to be a, trickier than a lot of players will face and I think that that's that's the issue with Murray's in his low, lowly rank right now mm. is that, that that's an implication of that so do you think if if, if he could he could easily go out to, to isn't around two or he could he could go fairly deep for him for him if, if he yeah. does make it through there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, a match against Isner on grass is probably going to be pretty long. So mm. that's going to be a real test of where he's at physically. Yeah. Um, but like I said, success, I think, would be losing or losing with it in a respectable way to Djokovic in, in the quarterfinals. If he gets past that, well, I'll be genuinely surprised, but pleasantly surprised at the same time. Mm. <laughs> if, we, if we look at sort of players at the other end of the spectrum... Uh, I was sort of talking about players that, that could come of age in the tournament. I, I, mm. I sort of had, uh, I was thinking about Holger Rune at the French Open when t- thinking about this question. Do you reckon there's, can, can you think of anyone that you, you think might, is trending in a nice way or someone that might come through the pack and, and, and sort of announce themselves? Uh, it's tricky because usually I want someone who's got a high level. On, shown a high level on grass previously for them for, to have any faith in them, which is why I'm certainly not not positive on Carlos Alcaraz, for example. Mm. Um, is there anyone else who can come through? Ooh. Taylor Fritz has done all right on grass previously, but it's, I wouldn't say he's like a particularly uh, young player these days. He's kind of been on tour for quite a few years. I like Sebastian Corder's upside. Um, mm. I like Jensen Brooksby's upside, but he's had a really poor run in these warm-up events. Um, apart from that, I think it's pretty tough. Yeah, it, it's funny that um, obviously Alcaraz, I think, drifted out a little bit with us as well. Just, mm. just, just over twelves. I was, I was reading. He was like, hopefully, I can at least win a match at Wimbledon this year. So he's obviously <laughs> not, 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 not overly confident of his chances of, yeah, of going yeah. deep into the tournament. Um, <laughs> 
so uh, yeah, I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of get it together on grass or if it's something that he's still obviously being so young. Maybe it's just all in mind games. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> just one other person I wanted to speak about that did fairly well in the warm-up events. What one? I think he beat Fritz was was Jack Draper. What do you think? Yeah. How do you think he will fare going into? Was it, is this his second Wimbledon he's playing, or is his first Wimbledon? Well, Draper's done so well on the Challenger tour, tour this this season. Um, he's been pretty dominant in. In indoor events in particular, he's won th- uh, th- uh, four actually indoor events this season. Um, so he's used to playing in quick conditions as well, which is is a positive. I, however, I do think that the markets are a little bit over the top on him right now because if we look at who he's beaten in the grass tournaments this this summer, the only players of any any kind of caliber are Taylor Fritz and arguably Brooksby if he was playing well. Uh, apart from that, he's beaten like two, two British players and Diego Schwartzman, who's mm. out and out clay quarter. So I, I think that the hype trainers maybe got a little bit strong on Draper. I, I do think that he's a good young player for sure. Um, I've got no no argument about that. And will he potentially be someone that we can support as a as a as a Brit for the next ten years at Wimbledon? Quite possibly. Is he going to get to the quarterfinals? I'd say almost certainly not. Mm. Um, and in fact, I think he's actually got a pretty tricky opening round match against Zizou Burks, who won his wild card from winning the Ilkley Challenger uh, and uh, a couple of weeks ago. So um, that's not a gimme for Draper in round one. And then in round two, he's likely to play um, Alex de Menor. So that's going to be a tough game on against a player who's very strong on quicker condi- in quicker conditions as well. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would be surprised even if Draper made week two. And and just quickly, maybe from a from a Canadian perspective, you've got Bourget Ali Asim and Denis Shapovalov that are... Well, Shapovalov's out of 43s, whereas Ali Asim's at 14s. Ali Asim has, has really sort of announced himself. I feel. Do you reckon they will they will both be feeling um, confident of, of of going long into the tournament? Shapovalov, no, because he's in that brutal quarter three. That I think he's going to be under against too many players mm. as we get to sort of the fourth round onwards uh, for for him to 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 be any value at that price. Also, um, Ali Asim has got chances in in quarter. For particularly, um, we, I've spoken about Nadal being maybe a weak favourite in that in that bracket, so he's got I think almost as good a chance as any really to to of those you know, non Nadal players to come through quarter four. From, from what you've seen of of him, him uh, particularly, do you see him as a as a future Grand Slam winner? I haven't seen enough of him from him yet to suggest mm. to be very very confident about that. I see him as like a potential to be like a a, a Zverevi type or a Sitsipasi type or a Rublev type kind of thing yeah. where you yeah. get to a lot of sort of quarterfinals, semifinals of big tournaments, but maybe odd final, but 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 you're underdog in the final and it's yeah. can he can he get a lot better than that? I'm I'm not so sure. 
because when you consider that someone like Carlos Alcaraz, apart from on grass, has just blown everyone away this season and has played at a higher level than him and is younger than him, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be tough because ultimately, with the retirement eventually of, of, of Djokovic and Nadal, you've got a player in Alcaraz who could potentially dominate the tour for a long time. Him on the slower conditions, Medvedev in the quicker conditions, I think mm-hmm. that's very, very difficult for for anyone else really to sort of get past those two on a regular basis. That's a duopoly right there for the next however many years. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If we uh, transition into the women's side of of things now, um, first and foremost, I want to talk about Serena Williams. Returns after, I think, about a year out injured. Yeah. She's at, I think she's at 18s, or last time I checked, she was at 18s with us. Um, obviously she played doubles with Ons Jabur until Jabur got injured um, in Birmingham was it? Um, yeah. What, what, what do you think how do you think she'll fare in, in the singles uh, this, this year? Um, I think success for her would be to make week two mm. the outright price I don't think is any value at all I mean how can you back a player at that price who hasn't played for a year. I think that's so that's so difficult. Um even if she was by far and away the best of player on tour at her peak, it's so difficult to make a case for backing a player at even money. Sorry, not even money, sorry, at that price uh, with um have not played for a year. It's it's so difficult. So not just that, there's pretty good field in quarter two as well. With the, uh, the likes of Kvitova, Anisimova, uh, Goff, Halep, Pliskova, all in all, all in that bracket. Mm. That's not easy for her to get through that at all. You, um, I, I saw the stats say no one seeded player has won Wimbledon singles at, at Wimbledon. Uh, at women's singles, sorry, has, has won the women's singles at Wimbledon before. I guess not many of them have been Serena Williams ever before. So that that, <laughs> yeah. that goes that goes for her, but um, yeah, do you think she might have lost a, her bit of um, how do you say it, like in, in, invincibility to the other field to, to the other players yeah. when when they come up against her now? For sure. So um, first of all, like the stat that you you give is so interesting because mm. I feel that that that's a really good example of where stats can be quite misleading because if mm. Serena was playing regularly on tour and hadn't had a year out she would be a seeded player so yeah, you can yeah. just consider her a seeded player by default even though she's not so yeah that's that's such an interesting way of looking at it um with regards to the second thing what was the second thing you said sorry again um the p- players when they come up against her now do you think she's lost ah, a bit of yeah. her invincibility um, yeah definitely so so i look at her when she was at her peak I, I look to her as having that, that air of instability, that, that aura the, the the Man United used to have when Alex Ferguson was manager, you know, like yeah. the, got so many injury time equalisers <laughs> and stuff like that. They were just... Exactly. You, you were like a goal down before you even started playing them, you know, mm. like it was, it was, you were facing a huge battle. And I felt yeah. like that like how it was against Serena Williams back in the day. But she's just another contender now. Mm. and that's a big difference players players have all a lot of players on the WTA tour have really kicked on in the last year 
and won't fear her anymore because they themselves have won a lot of big titles. She hasn't done that. It'll be in, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. I think I think her mentality is. I think she'll be she'll be very disappointed if she doesn't make the second week if she's if she's there just watching on, won't she? Really, but um, yeah, we'll never we'll have to see how the first few uh, matches go. Yeah, again, again, similar to Andy Murray, that that the the ranking has caused draw difficulties as well. So mm. she's potentially up against Pliskova in round three, and either Anisimova or Gorf in round four. So so those are tough matches for her. Mm. Going from someone who might just be a contender to who is the outright favourite with with our traders, Iga Shriontek is, I think she's at two point five three um, with us right as as we speak. Um, she obviously she she is the player that that that's given that aura of in, invincibility right now. But to say that, do you think grass? Well, is grass her weaker surface? And I think I read so far she hasn't got past round round four at Wimbledon mm. uh, in her young career. Yeah, so I don't, I think we have to go with the view that grass is her weakest surface by default right now, mm. um, because just simply because she hasn't actually shown any 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 really high level on it in her career so far um i'd love to see her play a warm-up event just to kind of get some form of a, ho- a hold on where her level might be on the surface um but she hasn't done that uh the good thing for her is that she got a really nice draw in in the top quarter so i don't really see any ridiculously tough hurdles for her until the quarterfinals so and I'm not sure that her price will change that much between now and the quarterfinals unless a load of big names drop out. So I don't really see what's to be gained from backing her at this price now when she's probably going to be not that much shorter in the quarterfinals next week. Mm. uh, just, Just for our listeners here, she, as I said, she's at 2.53 to win. We've got the other side of the line for her not to win at, at, at sh- as short as at 1.51. So, um, yeah, he- heavy favourite. But it'll just be interesting to see yeah, when she goes deep in, when she gets quarterfinals, what, how she... I'm guessing it's how long her other ga- her, her games in the first week have been as well to s- sort of see yeah. where she's at physically as well on, on this surface. For sure. If we look at, um, I think she's second favourite. Uh, someone we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier, was Ons Jabur. She's at six point two seven. I was, uh, she was, I, I was listening to, well, I was reading some quotes that she said about playing on grass, and she was sort of manifesting her world number one status after um, suggesting it was her love for for soccer that has helped her game on grass, and that her, her first love being soccer and. And, and and that's how that's like tran- transitioned over to her playing career on the grass. She's obviously a very like big live contender here. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do 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 you looking at her draw and, and the pathway through? Do you think a fi- a final should be where she's aiming for? Definitely. Um, so I think behind Swiatek, she's the the form player on tour over the last few months. Mm-hmm. Um, the one downside to that was that she lost in round one in the French Open in a real shock. Now, so for me, her challenge now is to, to translate the, the level that she's shown in, in the 
big WTA tournaments that aren't Grand Slams to the Grand Slams. If she does that, then she shouldn't fear anyone in this draw. Um, I don't see the injury that made her pull out of doubles with Serena being a major problem. Certainly the market doesn't. I think she's as short now as she ever has been in the in the outrights. Um, so I think it's just a kind of thing that players do as a precaution before big, big tournaments. Mm. And, and, and also just talk about someone else um, that uh, might have a say in here, but like Paula Badosa, um, mm-hmm. she is actually quite long at 40, 41s with us. And I think I saw Jodie Burridge beat her in, um, yeah. was it at Birmingham as well? Or Eastbourne. In, in Eastbourne in the first round. Is, is, is she someone that could, um, that, that could cha- challenge, challenge those top two? Or is it is also grass, she sh- is grass maybe not where she's going to perform best? I think Badosa is someone you can almost draw a line through actually prior to this tournament. I mean, obviously that 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 defeat to Burridge outside who's ranked outside the top two hundred um is yeah. is is not positive. And the fact yeah. that she retired last time out in, in the French Open when she last played as well is another another red flag for me. Um so the fact and the fact that she's never really done much on grass previously as well is again all pointing to the fact that I think that she could be one of those sort of bigger names that that, that fall by the wayside in week one, potentially. Certainly because, oh, and also she's got Kvitova in round three as well. Oh, okay. And, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah two, two-time, uh, two-time winner there. Um, someone who had a great run at Roland Garros was Coco Goff getting to the final. She's actually... I think I checked in the week and she was at sevens and now she has gone out a little bit to just over thirteens um, with us. But do you see her as a, as a serious contender on, on grass as well? I think she's one of a number of players who can come through that really brutal Q2. Um, and that, that, that draw is, I think, ultimately the, the biggest problem for her is that she's going to face a lot of players that she's not going to be a heavy favourite against from round three onwards. So that would kind of put me off the outright price a little bit because, that, like I say, in that quarter two, there's there's a lot of players who I think are all very, very capable of beating each other. Um, so for me, that that's that's would put me off back in golf at those prices, I think. Do, do, do you see her... Uh, what did you make of her run at Roland Garros? And, like, did you see much... That her added maturity, do you think that might help her? Um, got like in this tournament. Oh, she's definitely a player of, of huge, huge talent, huge potential. Um, and I think that the, you look at her and Swiatek as two players in particular who can dominate this tour for, for 10 years. Um, but ultimately, I think she's behind Swiatek in that. that ability level at the moment could she could she get there absolutely but i don't like i don't see her as a favorite the favorite to get out of q2 i i think that she's a contender for sure but yeah. but she's one of one of one of quite a few who could get get through that bracket there's a, a few people that you mentioned in your article as well with us uh this week uh kerber 
uh, Kvitova and, and, and Karolina Pliskova. You, uh, the players, players with sort of good memories on grass. Um, do you see? Do you see the Kvitova? Well, uh, obviously, uh, a previous champion is looking like, has been looking like a, a threat. But just grouping them three together, uh, are, they, are they real sort of players that no one really wants wants can, wants to come up against in the early rounds? Um, well, Kvitova has now picked up quite a lot of market support after the to, after beating Hadad Meyer and, and Ostapenko in the last two rounds of Eastbourne over, yeah. over the last few days. Um, yeah. So uh, I think that she's certainly a, one of the players who can consider themselves a really strong candidate to get out of Q2. Pliskova, on the other hand, is just, I think, it's tough to make a case for her. She just hasn't won enough matches over the last three, four months, really. I think that's that's ultimately going to be a big problem, although she's a strong player on grass, generally. But then she lost to Katie Bolter uh, this week as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's another 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 problem for her. I mean, she just hasn't shown enough, really. Uh, as for Kerber, I mean, she's someone who's very, very competent on grass at all. But again, played one warm-up event, lost to Elise Cornet after... I think she's probably the favourite to win that bad Homburg tournament before that quarterfinal. So again, a very dangerous player. But but let's see, let's see. I think for the for Kerber and Pliskova in particular, I think you really have to watch how they get on in the first two three rounds before, before forming a, a view. Mm. And that's difficult for Pliskova because she'd have Serena Williams in round three, so you can't <laughs> make judgment on her before then. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, just a kind of watching brief on those players for the. At least the first two rounds and, and ascertaining their level, I think, would be pretty useful. And, and this might just be a yes or no answer, but Petra Kvitova is at 16s with us to win the whole tournament. Do you see that as good value? It's certainly not the worst value. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, in that Q, that Q2, like I said, with um, a lot of other decent contenders but I think she's probably the favourite to get out of that bracket two players that you you said that she did beat on her in at Eastbourne you mentioned Haddad Meyer and Yelena Ostapenko they also mm. did look impressive uh, go, go, going through the warm-up tournaments as well Haddad Meyer as we say hasn't got a uh, hasn't got a big track record on grass but what she's shown in the last month I think she was 12 matches unbeaten before Kvitova yeah. beat her uh, beat her. Um, are, are, those, are those two um, also could, could could have a big say in where the title goes? Um, definitely. I mean, I think had Admire prior to this June had not really shown anything on grass apart from a opening round win in 2019 against Muguruza. So, so that was her her, her run of of 12 in a row. Winning off two two fifty titles was was incredible. Um, now we have to again a bit like uh, what I said about Berrettini in the men's. We have to look at the players that she's she's played against, and only Simona Halep and Maria Sakari were players in the top twenty that she's beaten. So there's a little slight caveat there as well. Um, she beat a number of players who are ranked outside the top fifty, so that's that's some. I, I, obviously, she's coming to the tournament in great form, but I think I still don't see her as the main contender in Q four. 
Uh, Ostapenko is also in that bracket, and I feel that she's more more of a contender in my view. Uh, she's got a better long term record on grass, and uh, yeah, I think that she's she's probably ahead of Hadamar in my pecking order. And I also like the chances of Maria Sakari in a in that bracket, a player who has shown a lot the last year or two, and in a bracket that I think is wide open and you could see it really opening up for somebody that she's a player that could easily get to the semi-finals. If we, uh, before we just wrap up the WTA side of things, I think there's, there's not many times you can't mention Emma Raducanu now uh, when talking about <laughs> these uh, in, in, in majors. I know she's obviously been um, beset by so many injuries and, we weren't even sure if he's going. She is going to play here, which obviously looks like she is. Um, she's, uh, I think, she's at 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 twenties herself to win to win her second major of her career. Obviously, it, it seems to me like she just needs to sort of have a run run of games and sort of not really think about titles or, and, and things like that and just play injury free. What what do you think? her headspace will be uh, going into uh, this coming week? First of all, I think that the market price on her is, is about as bad a bet as you could make before this tournament starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got the full British hype in in, in action here in terms of her market pricing. Um, the, the main reason for that, there are several reasons for that, but the main reason <laughs> primarily is that how can you back a player at 20 to 1 who's underdog in their first round match? Uh, so the, yeah. the draw the draw hasn't been kind to her at all and as a as a pit up against uh Alison van Oetbank, who's a big serve in Belgium uh who won a WTA challenger event recently on grass in Italy so uh this is and she almost beat Mandaris and actually in Bad Homburg as well last week so there's there's a lot to like about van Oetbank on on this surface and and that's a really nasty draw for, for Raducanu, actually. The, the other problem that, that Raducanu faces is um, obviously the, the injury issue is, is, is notorious, but also the fact that her service numbers have dropped real badly since she won, won the US Open. And, and I think she's 54% service points won this year, and that's not going to win her a lot of matches. Do, do, if she was to uh, get to the second week with that, maybe be surprising or something that she should sort of see as success? 100%. Considering I don't think she'll get through round one, I think that, that getting, getting yeah. to week two would be a massive, massive success for her. It's just, I guess it's just about, for her, getting getting her groove back a little bit, whether it's, you know, whether she does, she does win the first first round or not, but just show that she can play consistently without getting picking up injuries now. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the the you know certainly just just a good display would be positive for her moving forward. Mm. Uh, if we uh, just just before we wrap up, I wanted to um, just just ask you from from your perspective for, for for the betters out there, is there any sort of key points or trends you want to leave our listeners with ahead of the tournament? For, for, yeah, as I say, for the betters to sort of bear in mind. Yeah, so I think we were, we were talking off air before before we started and. We talked about the women's uh, winners recently and the women's runners-up. So, so a good trend that we've I've sort of spotted in in the women's is that the vast majority of winners over the last seven or eight years have all had 
very, very good grass court records historically. So they've had that grass court pedigree coming into Wimbledon. Now, probably the one exception to that was Simona Halep. Well, obviously, she was a, a world-class player on other surfaces at that time. So, I mean, it's a bit rudimentary, but if you're looking for filters, you're looking to draw name, lines for a few names, maybe focus on top 10 players or, or seasoned grass quarters um, for, for proven quantities of grass quarters for, for your shortlist of players to look at any outlines. And so, so my next question, you sort of put later rest there, but you're not expecting to see any sort of surprise finalists or someone might get through to the semis that we least expect it. It will probably come from a select group of, of players. Yeah, I mean, you, you might get the odd surprise name coming into the sort of quarterfinals plus. So someone like, some, a lot of people probably be surprised if someone like Alison Risk got into to the quarterfinals, but... She's very, very strong on grass. So, so that's that's mm. even though she's not not ranked in the top ten or top twenty, she's got a lot of wins on grass throughout her career. So there, there are a few players like her who could, you know, get get to the later stages. But again, they've got that track record on grass previously to 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 back that one up. Even though they might be sort of lower ranked shock names, if you like. Yeah. So so the, so. And do you, do you think players will, will know about that when they come up against them? Or oh, maybe they haven't had a great last few months, but we've seen their record on grass and should be underestimated. Someone like Risk, yeah. would you say? That, that's a tough one because I don't know what goes into players' prep, but you'd like mm. to think they're, they're aware of their opposition strengths and weaknesses going into matches for sure. Yeah. Big thanks to Dan there, um, who uh, gave some very, uh, I think gave very good, some very good value, value uh, bets there. Um, you can check out his his Wimbledon previews and plenty of betting insight ahead of uh, the tournament next next week at pinnacle.com slash betting resources. You can also look at uh, check out our Twitter at Pinnacle and on YouTube Pinnacle Sports for uh, all the latest videos and all the content we've got around for the next two weeks of the tournament. Uh, as always, all odds are correct at the time of recording. Thanks for listening and take care.